Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rockerless. As a kid, I enjoyed martial arts entertainment, and I thought martial arts were cool, but I didn't know anything about them outside of what I saw on TV and movies. We didn't have any martial arts schools in my town, and although my friends would practice from things they learned in magazines, nobody had any real training. As I got older, though, one of my friends started taking lessons in a school one town over, and eventually he talked me into doing the same. And I have to admit, my idea of martial arts really was shaped by what I saw on TV and movies, from The Karate Kid to movies like The Last Dragon. And so I didn't know what to expect when I went into this dojo. It was intense, sort of like The Karate Kid in some ways, because people took it very seriously. And what I learned about myself is that I didn't take it very seriously. And I have an example that demonstrates how I didn't take it that seriously. Because on the first week I went, it wasn't just lessons with kicking and punching and blocking. It was also a lot of push-ups and cardio, all that sort of thing. Quite intense. I think after my first lesson, I was exhausted and considered maybe not going back, but I had paid for the entire month, so I was going to continue, and I would continue for a while after that, but I still didn't take it seriously, and here's how I know why. I went in one day to school with my friend, and we started our workout, and it turned out it was going to be this really intense one, where we were going to do a lot of push-ups, where we're cheering each other on, and sit-ups, and all that stuff, and I'm doing the work, but I'm feeling real sick, really sick, but I'm trying not to complain, because that didn't go over very well with the rest of the students there, and at at one point, one of them stops, pulls me over and said, what is wrong with you? You are green. And I said, I think I'm going to get sick. And he says, well, don't get sick here on the mats. Go to the bathroom. And so I did. But nothing happened. I just didn't feel well. And I kind of knew why I didn't feel well. It's what I ate for breakfast which I had to reveal when the owner of the school came over to me and said, what's wrong with you? Do you have the flu or something? I said, I think it's something I ate. And he said, well, what did you eat for breakfast? Now, he had actually talked to us about what we should eat before coming in. He wanted us all to be prepared. He wanted us to hydrate. What I had eaten for breakfast that morning were Doritos and Coca-Cola. I had been up for a couple of hours. I'd watched some TV. My family had gone food shopping the night before. There was a bag of Doritos in there. And I just couldn't resist. And then I had come to school. He looked at me very seriously and then threw back his head laughing. He thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And from that moment on, whenever I walked in the door, most of the people called me Nacho. I didn't love it at first, but eventually, because it made everybody smile and laugh, and they had all heard the story, I embraced it. And I never ate Doritos again. I always tried to take my nutrition before coming into class more seriously, but it always stuck with me. At the same time, I knew I wasn't going to be there in the long run. I didn't have the heart, or as they might say in The Last Dragon, I knew I'd never get the glow. Instead, my world of martial arts was confined to entertainment, television, and movies, and I still love it. And on today's show, I want to talk to you about a quirky, fun martial arts movie from the 1980s that has some great music and great actors, The Last Dragon. 
We'll talk about the people behind the scenes, its production, its music, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. The Last Dragon, which is sometimes called Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, is a 1985 martial arts comedy written by Louis Venosta, produced by Rupert Hitzig for Barry Gordy, and directed by Michael Schultz. It stars Ty Mac, Vanity, Julius Carey, and a host of other people. Before I get started, I wanted to read the summary from the VHS, and we'll go into a little more detail on the plot after that, but I think it's a pretty good plot on the back of the box. It's from CBS Fox Video. Two great shots on the back with Timac and Vanity. The hottest Motown sounds in a martial arts spectacular. Color, 1985. Motown's hot leader, Barry Gordy, has created a breakthrough multimedia production. The Last Dragon combines music, dance, and martial arts in a dazzling fairy tale set in today's New York City. Leroy Green, Timac, a black youth, strives to reach the highest levels of enlightenment through Kung Fu. His instructor, Thomas Akita, sends him into the exciting streets of New York to find the meaning of life, where he encounters very real villains. Shonuff, Julius J. Carey III, self-proclaimed Shogun of Harlem, is the first scoundrel Leroy meets. Shonuff wants to destroy Leroy to keep his title, but Leroy refuses to fight without serious provocation. His next encounter is Eddie, played by Chris Murney, king of the video emporiums. Eddie has captured Laura, Vanity, a video star, in an effort to blackmail her into playing his trashy videos in her rock club. Leroy is now forced to fight for the first time. Leroy discovers romance through his efforts to protect Laura. His search for meaning has been found in the simple joys of love. 108 minutes, copyright 1985, TriStar Pictures, Inc. All rights reserved. Some things are missing. We get to meet Eddie's family, who are a great cast of characters. They own a pizza parlor. And Shonuff and Eddie eventually team up because they have a common enemy in Leroy. Will good conquer evil? Will lots of fun music be played? You better believe it. So this movie would not have been made without Barry Gordy. Barry Gordy III was born in 1929. He's now retired. He's best known as the founder of Motown, which is a pretty impressive thing. Not only did he found a legendary record label, he was also a very popular songwriter and producer. He wrote songs like Lonely Teardrops, Shop Around, and worked with so many artists. The Jackson 5, The Miracles, The Supremes, Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Stevie Wonder, The Four Tops. Just a huge list. While things started in Detroit, Motown, he would eventually relocate to Los Angeles to work in the film industry. His first project would be a drama about Billie Holiday called Lady Sings the Blues, starring Diana Ross. He would then go on to produce and direct Mahogany, and in 85 would produce The Last Dragon. So not a bad foray into Hollywood for someone who had started in music. Are you a fan of the Retros podcast? Do you like more retro stuff? Why not check out the Retros Patreon? Go to patreon.com slash retroist. Supporters of the show get bonus episodes, bonus tracks, bonus scans, 
access to the Retroist Discord, and more. Feel good about yourself and make a difference in the world. Support the Retroist. The idea for the movie came out of the brain of Louis Venosta, who was a actor and dancer who was quoted as saying he wrote the movie because he was, quote, tired of being cast as gang member three in every urban film made in New York. He's done lots of other things over the years. A writer, director. Not only did he work on The Last Dragon, he also wrote Bird on a Wire with Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn. He would also go on to do television directing on TV shows like Grey's Anatomy. And as we'll talk about later, he might not be done with The Last Dragon universe yet. The film was directed by Michael Schultz, who was born in 1938, film and television director, was born and grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He would attend the University of Wisconsin before going to Princeton, where he started directing theater. He worked on a lot of TV and movies. His TVography is huge. It goes back to the early 70s. He worked on things like The Rockford Files and Starsky and Hutch. On movies, he worked on things like Cooley High, great movie, Car Wash, another great movie, Bust and Loose with Richard Pryor, Crush Groove, Carbon Copy, Disorderlies. A lot of movies that I really liked as a kid were directed by Michael Schultz. The screenplay was purchased by TriStar Pictures and Motown Productions, and production would begin in New York City on location in April of 1984. According to stories, Gordy would be on the set often and would bring Motown stars to see it, which must have been a very exciting time for people like Ty Mac, who was just 19 years old at the time and didn't have a full acting background. This was his feature film debut. He had been a martial artist. That's why he's very convincing in that role. But he wasn't the only one considered for the role. According to different sources, you had a who's who of people who were coming out for the role, including Mario Van Peebles, Wesley Snipes, Lawrence Fishburne, and Denzel Washington. Could have been a very different movie with these different actors in it. And I'm not sure it would have had the same convincing martial arts in it that they got with Ty Mac. And they filmed all over New York City. So if you're watching the film and you're familiar with New York, it does seem authentic. And for me, who grew up in that area, that's fun to see. He's a champion who doesn't want to fight. He's such a hardcore Bruce Lee fan, he eats popcorn with chopsticks. He'll risk his life for a rock video queen, but he's afraid to talk to her. He's either totally weird, or he's the last dragon. He sure looks like a master to me. Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, directed by Michael Schultz, at PG-13. Now playing at a theater near you. Now I'd like to talk to you about the cast. And this film has a big cast. So I'm going to skip over some people. It's not because I want to. It's just there's too many people in this film. Ty Mac played Leroy Green, or Bruce Leroy, as he's sometimes called. Ty Mac Guariello was born in 1964, often known just as Ty Mac. He is a martial artist and stuntman, probably best known for his work on The Last Dragon. This was his first major break in acting. But afterwards, he would appear in TV and film. According to his biography, he has received black belts in karate, jeet kundo, wing chun, hapkido, jiu-jitsu, taekwondo, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Vanity played Laura Charles, the love interest in the film. Denise Katrina Matthews, better known as Vanity, was born in 1959, sadly passed away in 2016. She would work continuously, but eventually turned her back on what she had seen herself in the 80s and would become an evangelist. She got her start as the lead singer of the trio Vanity Six, which was created by Prince. You probably know their 1982 hit, Nasty Girl, but they disbanded in 83. And Vanity was supposed to be in Purple Rain, but something happened. 
Maybe it was money. Maybe her and Prince were dating and it didn't go down well. She was supposed to also be in the film The Last Temptation of Christ. And that might have been why she decided to not be in Purple Rain, because she would be in a Martin Scorsese film. But production on The Last Temptation of Christ stalled at the time because of budget issues and religious groups not being happy with it. And so she signed with Motown and starred in The Last Dragon. And her Motown relationship went larger than that. She would become a singer for Motown and would continue to work on television throughout the 80s. I think I mentioned her recently in an episode of Friday the 13th, the series that she was in Mesmer's Bobble. She was also in the TV version of Highlander the series. Sadly though, her rough lifestyle in the 80s took its toll and she passed away at just 57. Julius Carey played Shonuff, the Shogun of Harlem, maybe one of the most fun characters in this film. Sadly, Carey also passed away. He was born in 52, passed away in 2008. He made his acting debut in 79 in the film Disco Godfather. But he's probably best known for two things. He played Shonuff in The Last Dragon. He was also Lord Bowler in The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. And he's great in that. But that's not all he was in. He was in TV shows like A Different World, Family Matters, Murphy Brown. A great character actor. Really good presence. We lost him way too early. Christopher Murney played Eddie Arcadian, film and television stage actor. On film, he worked on things like Slapshot, The Last Dragon, Maximum Overdrive, The Secret to My Success, Barton Fink, and many more. He also does voice work for video games, but maybe his biggest claim to fame is as the voice of Chester Cheetah for Cheetos. Leo O'Brien played Richie Green, the younger brother. Born in 1970, he passed away in 2012. He is best known for his work in The Last Dragon. He was born in Anglewood, New Jersey. He's the younger brother of Guy O'Brien, who is one of the founders of the rap group The Sugar Hill Gang. He would only appear in four movies before he died. Jim Moody played Daddy Green. Moody was born in 1949, television and film actor. He was in Bad Boys, the film Fame, DC Cab, and maybe film-wise he's best known for The Last Dragon, maybe Bad Boys. But he also did a lot of TV work, appearing on The Law and Orders and Third Watch, amongst many others. Queen Esther Marrow played Mama Green. The very talented Queen Esther Marrow was born in 1941. She is a singer and acting. She's probably best known for her work in Dynamite Brothers and The Last Dragon. Her big claim to fame, though, is as a singer. She has performed for multiple presidents, including George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, as well as the British royal family, and Pope John Paul II several times. Keisha Knight Pulliam played Sophia Green, Leroy's sister, Hands down, best known for her work as Rudy Huxtable on the sitcom The Cosby Show. Although she would go on to work on Tyler Perry's House of Pain. Faith Prince played Angela Morocco. Pretty good role here, and she does a great job. She's a singer, an actor, won a Tony Award for Best Actress in Guys and Dolls in 92. But she would go on to appear in a lot of good films, including The Last Dragon, Dave, and Picture Perfect. And then has a good TVography as well on shows like Spin City, Remington Steel, Monk, Frasier, Grey's Anatomy, Ugly Betty, and many more. Mike Starr played Rock. It's a small role, but Mike Starr is a great character actor, born in 1950, kind of burly guy. Might know him best from Dumb and Dumber. He's also in Goodfellas and Billy Bathgate. Great to have in the movie. Glenn Eaton played Johnny Yu, although he worked in a couple of films. He's most certainly known best for The Last Dragon. Thomas Akita played Leroy's master. Mostly does character work in films like Moscow on the Hudson. Finally, Ernie Reyes 
played Ty, the kid in the film, and he's there for comic relief, but also to demonstrate his amazing martial arts skills. Born in 72, he's a actor, martial artist, stuntman, worked on things like The Last Dragon, Red Sonja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 1 and 2, Surf Ninjas, and a bunch of other stuff. I just want to note, too, two great appearances by actors you probably heard of. Chaz Palminteri played Hood 2, and William H. Macy played J.J., The film has a great soundtrack and also a great score. The score for the film was done by Bruce Miller and Misha Siegel. Bruce Miller started his career in New York, was a saxophonist and guitarist, toured with Paul Anka. He would later move to California and work with a lot of other great artists before going on to compose music for dozens of movies and television shows, including Designing Women, Wings, and Frasier. Misha Siegel is a Israeli producer and film composer. The Last Dragon is probably, for me, his most impressive work. On television, though, he worked on some fun stuff, including The Facts of Life Goes to Paris, the ABC After School specials, and the CBS School Break specials. So that's quite a little niche there. The score is great, fun to listen to in the film, but it wasn't a release. If you were going to the store and you saw The Last Dragon, you're probably picking up the soundtrack. And that was put together by Barry Gordy, and as you might guess, has some Motown artists on it. The film features a pretty big hit by DeBarge called Rhythm of the Night that was written by Diane Warren. That would reach number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the Billboard R&B charts. And that music video for that got heavy play, which I'm sure helped the movie. There are 10 tracks in total, The Last Dragon, Seventh Heaven, Star, Fire, The Glow, Rhythm of the Night, Upset Stomach, which is a Stevie Wonder song, First Time on a Ferris Wheel, Peeping Tom, and Inside You. I got a little surprise for Mr. Bruce Leroy. Let's go up there and show her. Don't miss the showdown between Timax, Vanity, and Christopher Murney as Eddie Arcadian. I would not do that if I were you. Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. The film grossed $33 million, and it cost $10 million to make, so a pretty decent hit. But what did other people think, and what else was out at the time? I have printed out a copy of my local paper from the time, so I can tell you exactly what was on, at least in my little corner of New Jersey. I'm happy to say, in March of 1985, one of my favorite movie critics from my youth, Lou Luminick, reviewed the film. He praises some work in it, especially the photography, the supporting cast, with solid comic turns by Carey and Murney. I think what is most amusing about this review is this quote from Lou, which I think a lot of people will find true if you're watching it. He was not a fan of kung fu films, martial arts films, and he said, I came expecting the worst and wound up being pleasantly surprised. Then he would go on to talk about the performances, the direction, the music. And yes, the film has some broad performances, which he points out. But he also points out that those are a lot of fun. So I think Lou got this one right. I also like, and I don't think I've said this, that Lou doesn't have a star system here. He just talks about the film and then tells you, I liked it and you should go see it. I like that way of reviewing things. Thumbs up, thumbs down, that doesn't enter into it. You got to really read it to get his opinion. So what else was out in theaters at the time? In my hometown, we had the sixplex and the fourplex still. At the fourplex, which is where The Last Dragon was playing, you could also see Friday the 13th Part 5, Into the Night, and Porky's Revenge. So three rated R films and The Last Dragon, which is PG-13. Then at the sixplex, a lot more rated R films. Witness, Night Patrol, Beverly Hills Cop, Purple Rose of Cairo, Mask, and Baby. Now looking at that, I remember seeing Baby. My family went and saw Mask together. Of course, we had to see Beverly Hills Cop. And then I saw The Last Dragon. I 
have some memory of seeing the Purple Rose of Cairo for some reason. Maybe my grandmother wanted to see that. Not sure. Let's see what ads they have here. Who's got the largest? So The Last Dragon takes up about a third of a page, but right next to it, taking up almost the entire other part of the page, is Porky's Revenge. Friday the 13th Part 5 has a half a page ad, so that's the biggest. So that's big, Porky's Revenge is second, and The Last Dragon is third in this list. Not bad. There's little ads for movies not playing in my area. The Breakfast Club, Vision Quest, another movie I enjoy. The Killing Fields, Amadeus. I do love, there's this little ad for Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend, which if you haven't seen it, it's about a dinosaur. And then this tiny ad, which I'll have to share somehow. You have Baby's face creeping into the ad, and that's it, just his face. Oh, here's one for Witness. Oh, and Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads film. U2 tickets are going to be available. You can win them at 1027 WNEW. They're going to be playing the Brendan Byrne Arena, which would eventually become the Continental Airlines Arena, and then some other arena. And the lowest breed, the Brendan Byrne for me. Shecky Green is playing at resorts. And then I found this ad, which is my favorite. The grand opening beef bonanza at Cattleman's Freezer Beef. I do not remember this, but the ad is for Bloomfield, New Jersey. And the advertisement is amazing. It's very cowboy themed with a cowboy standing on the range, looking over at cows. And then it has giant meat offerings. You buy big things. This is stuff you shove in your freezer, I guess. 300 pounds of cow for fifty nine fifty, two 225 pounds for fifty one sixty six. They have frozen introductory offer on frozen vegetables. Each of them you have to buy in 10 pounds and you can buy up to 100 pounds with a beef order. So this is all about giant servings of food. You get a free Easter ham when you open an account with them. I don't know what this is. I guess this is some sort of wholesaler, but it doesn't look like it's wholesale. It looks like anybody could come in. Although you need an appointment, it says. All meat cuts by appointment. It's fascinating to me, and I would have loved to go there. And when you did, you got free donuts, coffee, and balloons for the children. Oh, and they also sell freezers, or freezers you could rent. And at the bottom, they have a little chart that shows the cuts of the cow. I wish I could have seen this place at the time, but by far my favorite ad in all of this newspaper that I found today. That includes this Meet the New Jersey Generals ad that I found at a car dealership. I almost would rather go to the beef place than shake hands with Jim LeClaire and meet the general cheerleaders. The film was released on home video and is available on all major formats and streaming still. So if you want to watch it, there's no excuse. You could check out The Last Dragon and maybe you'll get to see something more. Now, as I said, Louis Venosta wrote this film and he is on social media and has continued to work. On November 23rd, he announced on social media, A Thunder of Dragons. And I'm going to quote here. It says that, Are you ready to journey back into the iconic world of The Last Dragon as we honor its legacy and continue the adventure, uncover the origins of the glow, and the untold stories of Leroy and Shonuff, both before, during, and after the original film. And there's an invitation to check out the website at the Thunderverse. So just search Thunderverse and you should be able to find that. And it looks like it's trying to get it all together as of the recording of this. It will probably start as a graphic novel, but there's a lot of ambition at that Thunderverse website. We're going to have to wait to see how it develops, but I got my fingers crossed. I'd love to see that. The Last Dragon is a fun film, and very much of its time. It has talented people on all fronts, music, writing, and it does create a nice little world in a relatively short period of time. And it fits really well with that era when it was shot. So we're still seeing a lot of that mid-80s magic. So if you have the time and you haven't seen The Last Dragon, I really suggest you check it out and tell some other people about it. Then go check out the Thunderverse, and maybe one day we'll find out what happened after the film ended. 
Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at Retroist.com. You can follow me on social media. I'm on all the major social networks at Retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, you should follow Peachy on Twitter and Twitch. He's at PeachyPixel8. That's the word Peachy, the word Pixel, and the number 8. If you're interested in Lou Luminick, whose reviews I enjoyed as a kid and who I still enjoy now, he's on Twitter at Trapped by Television, and his handle is at Lou Luminick. If you'd like to support the show, you could do so by giving it a five-star review wherever you downloaded it. It's really just the five-star reviews that help people find the show, algorithms and all that. So if you could do that, I really would appreciate it. If you'd like to support the show further, The Retroist is on Patreon for just a couple of bucks a month. You help to support the show, you will get bonus episodes, bonus scans, and access to The Retroist Discord, the greatest retro community on the internet. Thanks everyone for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. I had the glow all right, but it was green and fueled by Doritos. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.